Hey, I'm Melissa Minko, and you're listening to Love and Dating Shows. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Love and Dating Shows. I have another single from the Netflix show Jewish Matchmaking today. I'm so excited to have the male perspective since I've had a couple of the females on the show now. So, Stuart, thank you so much for being here. I'd love to hear a little bit about you, maybe that we didn't see on the show before we get into the questions. I like that opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. So how would you kind of just describe yourself? Um, anything we didn't see from the show? How would you want to introduce yourself if there's anything we didn't get to see of you? Uh, my name's Stuart. I live in Chicago. I am single. I am a professional musician and some might say a professional dater. <laughs> um, everything you saw on the show is accurate. Um, I just don't know that it's a three-dimensional picture of all the aspects of me. I think I came across as the funny guy. And I have, and I can be the funny guy, and there's nothing wrong with being a funny guy. But I'm also a poet. I'm serious. I'm a deep thinker, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if that side really came through. I was very flattered. A lot of people who have seen it have told me that I'm their favorite character, and um, they've also told me what they liked about me is that I seemed honest, I seemed mm-hmm. authentic, and I was. Um, Unfortunately, I have this bad habit of going on Reddit and trying to read everything oh, no. out there on me, which is a very exhaustive process. Yeah. And um, one of the comments someone said is, um, well, that that can't be a real person. Stuart's obviously putting on an act for the show. And I don't know how to take that because I wasn't. Right. <laughs> this, is pretty, this is pretty much me. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else said... Um, Stuart talks so slow he's either baked all the time or his mom dropped him on his head as a baby oh, so no. I, respond, I responded I know I'm not baked all the time so I guess my mom dropped me on my head as a baby is a pretty oh. safe bet oh people God. are always pretty shocked that I'm actually personally responding to all these different <laughs> comments it's fun it's fun that you're out there and I would imagine it's kind of bizarre to hear people refer to you as a character on a show when it is a reality show and you were showing up as yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, and I I think some people put their game face on and maybe they're still their self, but they're a certain version of themselves. And really mine was, I can't say a hundred percent because you don't know to what extent you're performing for the camera subliminally or something like that. But that was pretty much 99% me. I, I didn't really, it's hard to forget the cameras are there, mm-hmm. but um, I, I did my best to interact with people just as I would in real life. That's great. Um, so the first question I had for you, I know you're not super keen on answering in this, but I am curious, how would you define love and has that definition changed since being on the show? I, I wasn't crazy about that question, but I'm a trooper and I'll take any of them. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about it because I don't know. I think love is one of those huge, vague concepts that's too overwhelming. It's like, it's like, how do you define God? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those undefinable things. It's a feeling. It's all encompassing. I was tempted. um, For those of you listening, Melissa sent me a list of some possible questions she'd be asking. And I saw that one. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? That's the first one. She, I'm not like a philosopher or something. 
And I thought about Googling it and coming up with some sort of great answer, but I refrained from doing that. <laughs> you know, I think love is caring so much for another person that you're willing to put their well-being mm-hmm. beyond your own. Um, having said that, I don't know if you're asking the right person. I've never been married. I have no children. I have told people I've loved them. I Obviously, my parents and... Mm-hmm. Um, I've told women that I've been in long-term relationships that I love them. But um, love is such a funny word because I could say I love my mom. I could say I love a, a partner. Mm-hmm. I could say I love Lou Malnati's pizza, which I do. <laughs> they, should, they should pay me something for saying that and mean something completely different in all three of those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be curious how other people answered your question, but um, that's that's kind of the best I could do on that. Well, you did well. So the way Eliza answered it, she answered it by kind of the Jewish definition, which I thought was really beautiful. She said, in Judaism, love is giving. And that's basically what you said. It's caring for someone more than, you know, you're trying to meet your own needs, basically. And that is, that's giving, that is love. So, I mean, you were actually spot on despite, you know, being a little resistant to answering the question. And I think everyone's an expert on love, which is why I enjoy doing this podcast, because I think if, if you've been a human being for so many years, you have experienced love for sure. I think, uh, knowing that, um, Lise is orthodox and she comes from a different circle, I'd be more curious to hear your de- definition of love, Melissa, since you're asking this question to so oh, many God. people. <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables on you. Um, I, I mean, I do think the giving element is super important to it. I do think there's a selflessness to love that doesn't exist just when you, you know, like someone in your life or even care for them. I think it's a, a level of care that is above and beyond what you feel for most people. And I also agree with what you said that it's a feeling. I think it's really unique and I do think it's borderline indescribable. It's kind of one of those things like, you know it when you're feeling it, but it's extremely hard to communicate, which is why I wanted to do this podcast because it's such a universal feeling and yet everyone struggles to define it. So it was not you know, a test to pass, you, though you did pass it. Um, I was just curious. <laughs> with flying colors or just by the skin of my... Not Flying her. colors. Okay, good to hear <laughs> that. Yeah. I feel very confident going into question two now. Good, good. So question two is, has your idea of compatibility changed since working with Eliza? Did she kind of open your eyes to what makes someone compatible for you? The only thing I would say is um, as I get older, combined with the experience I had on the show, I think Judaism is a bigger part of me than I either realized or was willing to admit. I'm an agnostic. Mm-hmm. I, I got to be honest. I kind of think, I don't want to say anything too controversial, but no, you're good. I just think religion is kind of fairy tales. Like mm-hmm. I said on the show, if you need the 10 commandments to not kill me and not steal <laughs> from me, then I'm a huge fan of those. <laughs> I feel I have some sort of internal moral compass. Mm-hmm. Oh, when I was younger, the idea that I had to go out with a Jewish girl or marry a Jewish girl was just so ridiculous to mm-hmm. me because I just didn't put much credence in the whole religious thing. But Judaism, and it's hard for people who aren't Jewish to understand this, is so much bigger right. than just a religion. It's a culture. And I didn't 
realized to what extent I was indoctrinated into that. Mm-hmm. And um, I also say on the show somewhere, I want to meet a Jewish girl because I don't want to explain why Curb Your Enthusiasm is funny. <laughs> yes. um, Curb Your Enthusiasm is awfully funny, and I suspect even non-Jewish people get it. But there is just a certain slant mm-hmm. being Jewish that you can't get around. And I'm still... I would never rule out someone based on race or religion or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the degree to which that's a check in the plus column, it, it's just becoming more and more and more apparent to me. Yeah. And um, I think this experience only um, emphasized that. That's That's really interesting. No, that makes a lot of sense. Were there other aspects of compatibility that maybe you had prioritized before that kind of shifted as being less important to you? Or um, was it all kind of validating in Aliza's process, like you were looking for the right things? I mean, I'd love to say at this point in my life, physical appearance is less important. And may- maybe it is to some extent, but you still have to have that. Totally. Not, not that someone has to be a perfect 10, but she has to be my perfect 10. Exactly. She has to, she has to get me excited. You know, I've, I've dated women without that butterfly feeling where we just seem such a perfect match in every single way, except that was missing. Mm -hmm. And I just tried to white knuckle it and get over that. And that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, As far as things being less important, I, I, I try not to focus on the trivial things. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, appearance is is important, but only to the extent that she gets me excited. I don't need a trophy wife or anything like that. Um, people have come up to me and said they liked what what I said about intolerance. You know, mm-hmm. when Eliza said what I forgot exactly what her question was or how it came up, but when she asked people, you know, deal breakers, they said real very superficial things like breast size or something like that when she asked me this and I certainly I wasn't playing for the camera I was a hundred percent sincere I said and this is just the truth I um it's a total deal breaker if somebody is intolerant towards gay marriage if you want to go on the first date and conceal the worst side of you I'll give you that but once you get to the second date there's just they say don't talk about religion or politics right? and maybe for the first date, but you got to get that out there pretty soon. Cause if it, cause if it's something you care about, mm-hmm. why do you want to waste your time? No, I'm, I'm with you fully. I think those are important aspects of someone's identity, whether people want to feel that way or not. And so it's very hard to be with someone if you're not aligned there. And I also really like what you said about physical attraction. And that was something I talked about with harmony too, because you know, the show kind of focused quite a bit on that being something she valued. And she and I talked about that extensively of how when people say they want to be physically attracted to their partner, they're not saying they need to be necessarily conventionally attractive or meet some sort of standard. It's just they have to be attractive to you. And I think that is really important. So did you ask Harmony if she was physically attracted to me? <laughs> you know, I didn't ask her that. Oh, what the, I would think that would have been first on your list. <laughs> I should have put it on there. I didn't think to. <laughs> So funny. So how did you end up working with Aliza in the first place? 
only through the show. I have no relationship with her outside of the show. The very first time I met her mm-hmm. was when you saw the filming. Wow. Um, I suspect she got my information, um, but but that 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 was the very first time I met her. I it wasn't like I knew her, and she said, "Let's go out and you should apply for the show." I saw an ad. I think it was on Facebook. I'm not too sure. Huh. Applied to be on the show. And I knew nothing about Elisa. I didn't know exactly what the show involved. Um, my first interview was with some sort of casting director. And I think everybody has an experience where they go on a job interview and they mm-hmm. leave the interview and they either knew that they blew it or they knew that they totally aced it. Yeah. Well, I knew I aced that first interview. I knew if she had the power to put me on the show, she would right then. Uh-huh but she didn't have that power. And it was an exhaustive process. Really? On the show, um, I had a, a prove to a rabbi I was Jewish, which I had no idea how to do. It involved joining um, Ancestry.com and tracing my ancestry. Wow. I um, had to meet with their psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if some people were apprehensive about it because they put it to me, um, do you have any issue um, meeting with our psychiatrist? And I'm like, mine hasn't done anything in 25 years. Maybe <laughs> you're going to knock something back in place. <laughs> so I met with him. And, um, but the, the actual meeting with Elisa happened for the first time on camera. Gotcha. That's so interesting. I, I would never have known that you had to prove you were Jewish. Also, that is really interesting. Um, so has your approach to dating changed since working with her? Are you thinking about it differently or going about it differently as a result of being on the show? Uh, well, I think the best way I can answer this question is so many people online have so flattered by it, have said I'm a great catch. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder how did this guy possibly get to 52 years old and not be swept up mm-hmm. um if i was to answer that question is to some extent i think i have a bad picker mm-hmm. i think i'm picking people that i know ve- there's something very appealing about them but i know very early on there's no way we could possibly be a match mm-hmm. and because of the whatever is appealing about them i just stuff that other part mm-hmm. I think uh, um, Elise's whole approach is to be very marriage-minded when you go about doing it. And I'm not sure the right way to do it. I guess I certainly haven't been doing it the right way. But I always thought, you just go out, try to have a good time. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. If you go into a date with your sole focus being, this is going to be the person I marry, you're kind of almost setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. But that got me where I am today. So I don't know what is right. I know Elise is very marriage-focused, mm-hmm. very Bashir-focused, soulmate-focused. And I think you, it doesn't make a lot of sense to invest time in someone who isn't that Mm-hmm. I think from the very first time you look at the dating profile from the very first phone call, it should be constantly be a litmus test to the point that you're not having a good time. Yeah. But you have to keep in mind what that end goal is. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be something that I'm taking away from this. That makes sense. I like that a lot. Very cool. 
So we saw that you're a musician on the show, but we didn't hear a ton about that, obviously, because, you know, the show is a dating show. So I'd love to hear more about that. I know you have a lot of exciting things coming up. So let's let's dive into that a little bit as well. I appreciate you asking me that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I do, when you do the show, you're yourself, you say everything you want to say. Nobody tells you what to say. Nobody, nothing scripted. But the one thing you don't have control of is the way they edit the show. That's true. <laughs> and so many people have given me so much good feedback that I should be nothing but grateful. And I am going to answer your question if you're wondering where I'm going with this. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> the one bone to pick, and I told one of the producers last week about this. And again, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful I was chosen. I don't want to seem ungrateful my one bone to pick is they told me they would play a little bit of me playing a song Mm. and I picked up my guitar and I was playing a song I hadn't played for a while and I just had to remember what key it was and I went I'm like no that's not right no that's still not right hold on I would pay I'm like okay I got it now and then I played it perfectly yeah 15 seconds they chose to show is me screwing around (laughs) and i'm like that was kind of a cheap shot oh no so i talked to one of the producers on wednesday we were at the same event and um why did you do that and he's just like oh i thought that was very genuine and realistic and Hmm. so maybe he had the best intent that was the one thing that i was (laughs) happy about (laughs) <laughs> I am a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a new album out that I'm very, very proud of. Mm-hmm. And just as fate would have it, there's so much relationship on that stuff on there. There's so much failed relationship, boy meets girl, boy loses girl type songs. Mm-hmm. I think they're written in a much more sophisticated way than a lot of the songs you hear on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um if I was to describe my songwriting or the way I at least try to do it is there's a certain degree of honesty and even more than that vulnerability, mm-hmm. I put myself out there in a way I don't think a lot of other writers do. Mm-hmm. I've said this before in some interviews and I'll just do it again. I love the Rolling Stones. I don't want this to sound like a diss of the Rolling Stones, the <laughs> greatest rock band ever, but you could listen to the entire Rolling Stones catalog front to back Mm-hmm. not learn anything about Mick Jagger through mm-hmm. his lyrics mm-hmm. other than maybe he likes to get laid <laughs> um, and that's not the right type of writer I am that's not mm-hmm. the type of writer I strive to be I think if you just take any three songs of mine just randomly picked by a computer or something and listen mm-hmm. to them you would come away knowing something about me that mm-hmm. you didn't know going in and some of the songs in this record are some of the most vulnerable songs I've ever written. Uh, one that comes to mind is a song called Nights Like These. What What's the policy on profanity on a podcast? Go for it. You're fine. Fucking great. <laughs> um, um, some of the lyrics that I wrote on that one that I didn't even see coming. Sometimes you write something and you're like, wow, I, I didn't even know I felt that way. I wrote, um, nights like these always make me sad. I think about the family that I never had, Mm. how how I fuck up everything. It's probably best I ain't a dad. Mm. Nights like these always make me sad. Um, 
that that's pretty vulnerable of me. I yeah. mean, I think, that, I think I would be a good dad. I think I'd be a great dad, but there's always like that balance that you're like, there's part of you that says this, and then there's this voice in your head that says maybe not. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of vulnerability on the record. Um, to some extent, it's like taking my diary and putting three chords behind it. Yeah. But some of the songs rock if you don't listen that carefully to the lyrics and you're just like, the song has a great beat, it's easy to dance to, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, the album's called Secrets, Lies, and Alibis. Wow. Um, that title is a line in one of the songs. Um, that's how I've usually titled my albums. I always thought it was an easy way out to just have a title track and make that the title yeah that works <laughs> there's a song in an album called little girl blue and there's a line in there that says um secrets lies and alibis lead to the regret i see in your eyes Oof. and um <laughs> after i wrote that i just thought that secrets lies and alibis was a um, really cool title um secrets lies and alibi i mean i'm sorry little girl blue was written the girl isn't literally the color blue. Blue means sad. Right. And it's about dating a girl who has her walls up, who won't be vulnerable with you, that you try to get past that barrier. Mm-hmm. And she's just too damaged. Mm-hmm. There's no getting there. And um, so, like I said, there's relationship stuff on there, but I think it's approached in a way that you don't hear often on the radio or in other songs. Um, the album's on um, Spotify and all the different digital platforms. You could also go to my website, stuartchaseman.com. And even if you don't buy it, I'd love it if you buy it, but just listen to it and, yeah. and send me, a, drop me some feedback. I'm all over social media. And I do, I don't, I can't speak for any of the other cast members or anybody else, but I try to respond to almost everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, some might slip through the cracks, but I'm at least going to say thank you or something like that. That's great. Well, and thank you for giving me insight into your writing process too. I always think that's fascinating. And it's very interesting that there's a lot of overlay between what you were writing your songs about and kind of what ended up being on this show and what the show was about. Very cool. That, that. That, that wasn't my choice. That um, <laughs> I, mean, I think God just aligned things like that. Yeah, no, that's very, very cool. Well, as I told you, when you start touring, we're both in Chicago. I will definitely be coming to a show and I can't wait to listen to that album. So thank you for explaining some of the process behind it. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, well, those are all the questions I had. Um, I am so happy I got to talk to you and I can't wait for other people to hear this podcast and get to know you better and then also listen to your album. And um, now they know exactly where to find you. So hopefully you'll get some outreach from that. But um, thank you for being on here. I really appreciate your honesty as always. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and thank you to everybody out there who's listening, who has reached out to me. It's um, been an unbelievable experience and 99.9% of the comments are positive and I'm just so overwhelmed by it and very pleased. Good. I'm so glad.